my faith had grown so much to that point that there was no other alternative to me. I said, if God can heal me, God can solve. This was a little Amen. problem yep. compared to my health. Mm. He gave me a second chance at life. He can fix this financial situation just like that if he wants to. Wow. So it's my job to remain in faith and just continue on moving forward, always moving forward, never looking back. Welcome to Love Shaped Life Podcast. My name is Pastor Bob. Our guest today is Rick Perez. Rick, welcome back. Uh, he is sharing with us part three in his story of his battle with cancer and how God had given him the victory. In part two, Rick, we ended up uh, with where you were finishing up at the Wellness Center. Right. You came home and you shared with us how your wife, being a school teacher, had put a banner out, you know, welcome home, dad. And then your daughter was there and you all embraced and you came home and it was a celebration of life, really. Your, 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 uh, your health was coming back. Your strength was coming back. She even asked you, uh, have you been on the beach? You know, you've been lying to me because you got color uh, in your skin. And, right. and it must have been a really exciting moment for yes. you uh, coming home at that point. You also shared with us how you ended up going back to work six months earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the only one who knew you were coming was your supervisor. Right. And then you walked in and everybody like looked at you <laughs> like you were a ghost walking in. And they were so happy to see you. So let's pick up the story, Rick, about how you, you went back to work and what life was like for you uh, day to day from there. You know, it's so funny you say that because when people hear the word cancer, they think of it as a death sentence. Yes, that is exactly. the common occurrence. And, 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 and yeah. rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, uh, cancer has become like a plague in our society. Uh, it's, uh, I believe it's like, uh, what's the statistic, 1,400 people, 1,500 people die a day of cancer mm -hmm. uh, just in, in North America alone. Mm -hmm. It's pretty high. So it's a scary thing uh, for people. So that's why they do a quick, uh, yeah. e like you know, just, a, just, a, just a quick fact on cancer statistics. I used to be that the leading cause of cancer for men was lung cancer and for women was breast cancer. And now lung cancer in women is surpassing men. So wow. the statistics are changing. Wow. Yes. Wow. So again, back prostate and colon following close behind, mm. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So again, back to your journey, you're going through your daily life and what was happening there? Yeah, so people, uh, I think from the reaction that I received, I think that people just wrote me off like I was never going to be seen again. Like this is never going to happen. Well, s sorry, but stage four cancer, usually people do write That's you right. off, right? Yeah. That's true. So uh, it would even surprise me to myself that I was able to feel well enough to go to work and to put in a full eight hours. I was that strong mm. and that uh, empowered mentally, physically and spiritually to to work again. And I came back um, stronger than ever, more alert. I felt like I was just on a roll, like there was no stopping me. Mm. And wow. there was a, a new position that became available for the directorship of the cancer program. And they, uh, I mentioned that they were going to be eliminating the managerial positions. So I was not too concerned at the beginning because I figured I would move into that role and everything would just continue to flow in an upward direction. And, and can we back up sure. a minute for those of you, them who haven't perhaps listened to the first segment? Uh, you were actually working in a cancer treatment center That's at right. the hospital, right? right? And what did you do? What was your job? You were the manager of the center, but yeah. what were you? 
What were you doing? Yeah, I was responsible for the entire team, including nursing, physics, dosimetry, and the, working closely with the physician. Um, all the patients that came through our department, I was responsible for the, getting their insurance approval through our staff. I was overseeing the budget, the payroll, the scheduling, um, special procedures that had to be done. Um, you know, there's a lot of puzzle pieces that have to take place to run a successful cancer center. But what was like? What was that like for you? I mean, you went from uh, working there, right? And then you got cancer. And now you're coming back uh, cancer-free, really, uh, and working there again. I mean, what was that like? I mean, did you have a different outlook as how you saw the patients? Yeah. So. I did. I kind of felt awkward at first because I, I was so used to my new holistic environment that coming back into the real world, I kind of felt like I longed to be back at the holistic center where everything was just so easy. I now had to like really plan my meals ahead of time and really um, focus on what I wanted to keep that momentum going and not lose my momentum. Sure. And they would bring meals and those were the options that I could have, so I'd have to bring my own lunch. And if I didn't, I have to run out really quick and get something that I could eat. So that was kind of awkward. But staff was very uh, welcoming and very supportive. But the patient aspect is where things really changed for me because now I saw myself in that wheelchair. Yeah. I saw myself behind those masks that they were wearing for their immune system, and I instantly connected with them mm -hmm. on a very um, spiritual and a guttural level. I understood them with one look. We looked at each other, and it's like I knew what they were feeling. And I, too, would go down to their, they were in a wheelchair, I would go down to their wheelchair and said, how can I help you today? What can we do to make you more comfortable? And just by saying those few words, they would just open up their heart to me. Wow. And they would start telling me, oh, nobody's asked me that this whole week. You know, I just come sit here and they just drop me off and no one talks to me. Mm -hmm. I said, I see you and I hear you. And as long as you're in our care, we're going to take care of you. That's beautiful. So your journey, right? Yeah, the yeah. journey that you went through, God was expanding your heart of compassion, That's right. sympathy for these people to the point where you were really like connecting with That's them right. in a deeper way. Yeah. And they were opening up to you more. That's beautiful. And they would even even my coworkers, they would say, oh, this person came in and they're pretty, pretty downtrodden today. Would you mind going to the lobby? I know you're busy, Rick, but can you go pray with them? And I was like, I'm in the middle of this meeting. I said, OK, hold on. Give me give me five minutes and I have to wrap it up. I said, excuse me. And I'd run out and I'd say, hi. I said, I only have a few minutes, but I understand, you know, there's a situation. Uh, would, would it be OK if I prayed with you? And mm. they go, oh, absolutely. Wow. And we would hold hands. These are total strangers sometimes and wow. family members and I also got lifelong friends from those relationships that we mm -hmm. developed while after I came back and I was able to now give back. Yeah, that's beautiful. I've been on the other side, you know, yeah. I, I was the caregiver and now I was the patient. Yeah. I've been on both ends of that's it. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, Rick, you were saying that the position was opening up for you of directorship, yes. that they were going to eliminate the managerial position. Yeah. So you, did you apply for the directorship? Yeah, so we all, all the managers, it was a, it was a regional decision. So... Across the region, all the managers uh, applied for their respective locations, and things were moving along, and I was getting updated weekly, and things were, interviews were taking place, and I was part of the interview process. And so because everything was going so well, we made some personal decisions in our home life to match those decisions. So I told my wife, I go, you know, I've always wanted to live near the beach. This is our chance. I'm getting a promotion. So we put our house on the market. We uh, hired the moving van. And this is now 
almost the end of the following year. So it's the end of 2013. And uh, two weeks before Christmas. Oh, just backing up yeah, sure. uh, just a moment. I remember in sharing this story before. Did you, you had rented an apartment there already in Ormond Beach because yes. it was a little distance? That's very good. Yeah, I forgot that detail. Um, I got, I realized that from my holistic experience, I needed to be not driving an hour every day back. That's two hours out of my day that I could have been juicing. I could oh. have been resting, you know, oh. just to have that peace of mind sure. and that I needed in my new walk. So I suggested to my wife that I would get a little apartment near the, um, the cancer center and that I would come home on the weekends and that we would make the transition slowly. And I would, I would move first and they could join me later. And when we bought the new house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were making this move. You want to live near the beach. You're excited about it. So you put the house up for sale. Yes. And so what was transpiring from there? So everything was going well on that end. We had a lot of prospective buyers and somebody was interested and uh, we hired the moving van. Everything was packed, ready to go. And I go to work uh, that following Monday, which was two weeks before Christmas in 2013. And uh, my director calls me into a meeting and says, Rick, I'm really sorry. It's not personal, but we've decided to go in a different direction and we're going to go with an external candidate. And like just the life went out of my face and I was like in a state of shock. And I didn't know how to respond to that comment because I had based everything on the promotion that I thought was coming forthcoming. Just, so just to recap, sure, sure. you know, to, to slow the whole. Sure. so you got the moving van, yeah. the house is sold. Uh, you had been living in a, a, a one bedroom apartment. You're ready to move the family over here. You go into work that day and he said to you, they decided to go with an external candidate. In other words, you're fired. In so many words. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> they, they worded very professionally, sure. you know, but, um, it was a shock and some of my coworkers knew that it was an important meeting taking place and it was way after work hours. It was at the end of the day. I was in there about a good hour going over everything. You know, I was trying to, I was asking questions. Why is this happening? And every answer came back the same was, you know, nothing, not about my work performance, not about my ability. They're glad that I was back. Nothing to do with anything like that. It was just a change in direction. And I had to learn to accept that. So when I came out from the meeting, my nurse stayed behind, my receptionist, the guest liaison who would greet the patients, they all stayed after work. They wanted to make sure I was okay. Mm. And they go, Rick, how did the meeting go? Did you get the job? And I just put my head down and I was like, and I couldn't even speak. I just, I just left mm-hmm. and they knew, you know? So the next morning I didn't come to work because I was, I was just absorbing the shock of it. And my office light was closed and everybody was like, where's Rick? What's going on? The office is dark. What's going on? You know, and they started talking amongst themselves. And I got all these texts and phone calls and mm. they thought something happened. Wow. Like I had a relapse or something. They thought it was my health. Mm. And then the, the, it spread around the department that what happened was that I didn't get the position. So um, that night I went home. And my wife is in- eagerly waiting for the news that I got the job. And I told them that it didn't happen. And we just hugged each other and we just cried and cried and cried. I don't think I've cried that much in one day. And my daughter and we just said, what do we do now? I said, I don't know. The first time in my life, I didn't know what the next step would be. 
we just were like at a loss for words, at a loss for uh, a vision, what to do next. It's like my life, my life just fell from my, and I remember saying, I said, this is not part of God's plan. I go, he healed me for a purpose. How does this fit in? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. So I, I questioned, why is this happening now when everything, I'm healed, I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm in the prime of my life. Why is this happening now? Mm-hmm. Wow. So from listening to your whole story, yes, right? And yes. all the journey that you went through with your battle with cancer and and the, the dark spots you're in and God strengthening your faith and bringing you in a path of healing. Now you come back to start living, quote unquote, life right. again, right? And you are all set up to transition, to move your family, even sold your home, uh, you're coming to your position and you come in that day and you're let go. I mean, I felt like the carpet was pulled out from underneath me and I was falling fast. <laughs> mm, uh, and, and that same weekend, we were having a, a celebration of life, they call it, is for the American Cancer Society. Mm-hmm. And I was part of the planning committee for that. And we lived so close to the cancer center that I could see the parking lot. And that weekend, I saw all the cars pulling up and all the balloons in the parking lot. And my heart just sang. I go, I was supposed to be part of that. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be there encouraging my patients. And the patients didn't even know what happened to me. I just didn't, I was not there anymore. I just like, I didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And that was hard for me to swallow on a personal level and a professional level Mm -hmm. because I didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just the way the cards fell. It was an administrative decision. So where, what was happening with you from a relationship with God perspective uh, at that point when you felt like everything was pulled out from underneath you and you're falling and you're falling fast? A lot of doubts crept in. Um, trusting but questioning and wondering, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And I didn't put limits on God but I wanted answers and I had to provide for my family and I had to do, had to make some quick decisions. And one of some of those decisions was, um, I needed to bring in some money. So I, we had a family meeting and this was one of many family meetings from this point forward. I said, well, what are we, what are our talents? You know, you start, you start questioning like, what am I good at? You know, mm-hmm. can I play an instrument? Can I go and, you know, play on the street and yeah, people sure. throw coins or something? You know? <laughs> And then, um, so I'm not musical, so that was not an option. So then I go, well, the one thing that I'm doing every day is I'm juicing wheatgrass, I'm juicing, I'm making smoothies. Why don't I just open up like a juice stand? And Martha's like, you're crazy. That'll never work. She goes, but I believe in you and I'll support you. So even though she had her doubts, she gave me her 100% support. So I went to the local farmer's market in Ormond Beach and I had been there before as a customer and had little stands of popcorn or like honey or you know little arts and crafts i go oh i noticed they don't have a juicing stand here you know so i figured there was a niche that needed to be filled so i talked to the 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 farmer's market manager and i told him i said would you be open to me um opening but he goes yes do you have a tent i said i don't have i don't have a tent he's like don't worry he's like i'll give you i have three extra ones i'll give you one of mine to borrow wow and you could just build up your clientele and when you Mm. have enough money you could pay me back and Mm. get your own tent i said let's do that so i went there for the first few months just on faith Mm. 
and we put up our little tent and my little table with my wheatgrass juicer, my, my centrifugal juicer, and my Vitamix uh, blender, and I made all these green drinks, and, mm. and it was like a new experience. I got to um, interact with, with people off the street, and just customers would come by, and they were not thinking about health and wellness. They were there to buy like little souvenirs with their on vacation, because mm -hmm. it's by the beach, you know, and mm -hmm. the furthest thing on their mind was health and wellness. And here I am, they go, what is that? What is that green drink? You know, I, I told them what it was. And they go, let me try. So I would give them little samples and they liked it. Mm. They go, this is really good. They go, can I have a full 16 ounce? I go, yes, I can. And I will make it for them. So uh, one beautiful story that came out of this was um, one gentleman was here on vacation with his family. And uh, later I found out he was a, a minister and they had a singing ministry. And him and his wife and his four children would go around the country doing concerts. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And this was their next city to tour was Ormond Beach, Florida. And uh, he just happened to be at the market uh, because he had heard online that um, there was um, organic produce here. And he wanted to get that to, to make some food for his wife. And he goes, and I was researching online about wheatgrass and I didn't know where I could find wheatgrass. And my wife had told me a couple of weeks before, she says, Rick, you know, I think something's missing at your, at, your, at your juice stand. I go, what? I got all my equipment, you know, I'm very methodical. I got my extension cords, you know, I got everything very neatly displayed and very colorful, very green. Even my banner was green. And she's like, that's not, that's not what I mean. She goes, God brought you to this point, And somehow here you have to acknowledge God. And she was right. I go, how are we going to do that, honey? She goes, you need to put your story up. Mm. on the tent so they know why you're here you're not just here because yeah, you're selling beautiful. juices mm -hmm. you're here because god healed you mm. i was like wow i missed that completely you know and i was the patient you know but mm -hmm. i was just so focused on the business end of it making the money i didn't see the spiritual side of it mm -hmm. so we um i forgot to tell you before but at hippocrates where i went where i went uh, a year later they had the anniversary issue they have it every january and they asked me to write my story and they published it in wow. full color Wow. And I was able to share my journey at Hippocrates. Mm. Mm. So I laminated that story and put it up on the tent with Velcro. Wow. So this particular day that this gentleman that I'm telling you about, I'm juicing for somebody else and he stops at the tent and starts reading it. And out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody reading the story. I'm thinking, well, maybe Martha had a right idea, you know, but I, I didn't want to put him, I didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable. So I wasn't looking at him. And then he went around to other booths and then he came back because he, he was waiting for a moment that I was free. And he says, I'm looking for Rick Perez. I said, I'm Rick Perez. He's like, that's not possible. He goes, you don't look like the guy in the picture. I go, that's, I was sick then. I go, I'm healed now. He's like, wow. He goes, you look amazing. He goes, you're not going to believe this, but my wife has breast cancer, and I was looking for a place that sells wheatgrass. And lo and behold, you have wheatgrass mm. here. He goes, can I buy some off of you? I need a whole pound because they have their own juicer at home. I said, oh, all I have today is what I brought for the market. I don't have enough to give you another whole pound. I can give you like a shot. He goes, no, I need more than that. He goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, I'll give you the money up front now, and you grow some more, and you bring it to me when it's ready. I said, sir, you don't even know me. I said, why would you be dropping money on my table? Mm. He's like, God led me here, wow. and I'm going to give you the money now because I know you're going you're gonna to be good to your word, and you're going to bring me the wheatgrass. Wow. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. A week later, I had a whole tray of wheatgrass. I brought it to her. I got to meet her for the first time and his three sons. And out of that developed a beautiful, beautiful friendship. 
and it turns out that their daughter was away at a college and my daughter was away at college and then they both got to meet later in the summer and we became friends with the whole family and we're friends to this day with wow, that family. Wow, that's beautiful. Praise yeah, again, God. Again, I was open to a new experience yeah. and the Lord just opened it, just like unraveled it just beautifully, mm -hmm. like a gift. That's beautiful. Rick, I want to back up yes. just a moment because you we you had told the story where the van was loaded, oh, yes. right? You sold your house, <laughs> right? Uh, you went into work and you were let go and then you came home and you cried and cried and cried yeah. and you weren't sure what we were going to do. So... Uh, the whole family, you all ended up moving to Ormond Beach, I take it, because yes. you just talked about stories. So where did you live and how'd that go? So we had to all temporarily move into that one bedroom apartment and make it work. And then we realized soon enough, we had to put everything else in storage. We had a four bedroom house in Orlando and now we're living in a one bedroom apartment. So you can imagine the yeah, space. And so what happened to your wife's job? I mean, because she was the, oh, yes. she was supporting the family and what happened to her so job? So as part, as part of the move, and through my connections, I was able to get her a job at the hospital across the parking lot where I worked. And um, she was, um, they called it the guest liaison, which is the person that greets the patients when they come into the hospital. And she sends them to registrations and she gets all of their pertinent mm -hmm. information to get them processed for their exams or their procedures mm -hmm. that day or that week. So she's right at the front desk. She's the first person that you see when you walk in the hospital. And I'm glad that you reminded me of that because it put us in a very unusual predicament because every day she had to face all these people that worked with me and she had to greet them as they mm. came in the hospital. And it was awkward because I was no longer part of the team, but yet she was there. Yeah, and this included your um, director Correct. that let you go. Correct. Correct? Correct. So your wife would then, every day, was greeting these people as That's they right. walked in the hospital. That's wow. Right. Wow, and what was that like for you guys? Because uh, that's, uh, oftentimes people struggle with yeah. bitterness or resentment or, mm -hmm. or uh, you know, not wanting to forgive. What was that journey like? Because that's on top of yeah. everything you're going through. I mean, that's another, it's like another wound. Another wound. It was opening the wound daily. Yeah. Because she had to rehash the story. And um, I know pe people meant well and people really cared what happened to me. And they go, how's Rick doing? And they meant it from a good place. But every time they asked her that, it reopened the wound. And she had to, um, she had to bite her tongue a few times because she was tired of people asking the same question, you know. So finally she said, he's doing well. And she would change the subject. How are you doing? What can I do to help you today? And they're like, oh. And then they soon realize that, you know, we're moving on from that. And we had a, a deep conversation and we said, who are we? Are, is our job define who we are? Does my position define who I am as a person? Mm -hmm. I said, no, I'm a child of God. And I, that, that, I will never, that title Amen. will never be taken from me. Amen. I can get a new job somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I can have a, I could move to a different city or do, do something different, mm -hmm. a whole different career. I said, so we chose the higher road and we never mentioned anything negative to anyone. Not, not very many people knew at that time that the predicament that we were in financially and mentally and spiritually, but we were at a low point. And there were some evenings we get home and um, we'd be sitting down and we say, okay, well, I think we need to cut the cable because there's not enough funds for that. Um, how much money do we have for groceries? We have to pay the electric bill. And every, every cent was accounted for. And we, you know, we used to have like this little jar, sort of similar to your jug of water there. And we would throw coins in there. And I remember just 
pouring it on the table and we're like, okay, we have 25 cents, 30 for, and we're counting to see if we have enough gas to get to work the next day. Wow. So I had to, not only did we have to sell our house, we had to sell my car and we only were down to one car and there's three of us. And then I wasn't working at that time every day. I was only doing the farmer's market once a week. So my wife was again put in the position of being the sole breadwinner and then she wanted me to have the car so I can go on job interviews and I could have accessibility to go different places. So she goes, I'm close enough that I could walk to work. And she had a professional attire with a blazer and high heel shoes as ladies wear and her professional pants. And then one day on the way home from work, which would have been like a 15 minute walk, on the, when she left the hospital, it was sunny, but you know how in Florida, things change in a quick second. Mm-hmm. But like the last five minutes, a storm approached and it started pouring raining and she was drenched from head to toe. All her curls and everything went down. Her makeup was smeared. She opens the door and she's like, I can't believe this is happening to us, you know? And we were laughing, but we were crying at the same time sure. because it was like, is this for real? Is, this, mm. is someone playing a joke on us? Like mm-hmm. this can't be happening, you know? And and we were embarrassed because we didn't want anyone else to see that we knew from the hospital walking home because it was the same route where we lived that people would go to the entrance of the hospital. Mm. So it was just a very awkward yeah. state state at the time. It, it seems like, Rick, again, listening to you, that oftentimes people leave a circumstance to find healing. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, you know, you were having to heal in the circumstance, which is yeah. which is very difficult to do. Is that what it was like for you? You know, you, you had to find... I think you, know. you hit the nail on the head, Pastor Bob. Um, we had to heal, heal in the midst of the pain, mm. in the middle of it all. And we had to rise above it, right? We had to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We knew that this had to get better somehow, some way, that this was not the end that God had in store for us. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of that that situation, in the midst of the pain and the healing, and going home at night and putting coins in, in the jar and, and deciding is there enough money for gas, I mean, you were still choosing to trust in God? Yes, sir. My faith had grown so much to that point that there was no other alternative to me. I said, if God can heal me, God can solve. This was a little problem compared to my health. Mm. He gave me a second chance at life. He can fix this financial situation just like that if he wants to. So it's my job to remain in faith and just continue on moving forward, always moving forward, never looking back. Mm. And I kept reiterating that to my wife and to my daughter. I said, we're a family, we'll always be a family, whether we're poor, whether we're rich, God has our back and we're gonna make every day count, you know, as long as we have a meal, even if it's a simple meal of just peanut butter and jelly or just a simple salad, you know, we have food on the table and I'm thankful for that little meal right there. We don't need anything extravagant. We just need to rely on God. He's gonna provide for us. Mm -hmm. And go ahead. Well, there's two things, Rick. and. Number one was you had mentioned uh, how that uh, you, when you were stripped of your job and you lost your job, you really had to come to grips with who are we? Who am I? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, that your identity comes from God, that you are a child of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important for all of us that we got to realize that our identity doesn't come from a job. It bec- uh, it's, it's who we are in Christ and that we are a child of God. And that's that's huge, right? Right there. It's everything. And then the next thing that you mentioned that no matter what was happening with you, 
you are cho choosing to move forward, right? So the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Living by faith is trusting God in good times and in bad, no matter how bad they get, but also choosing to move forward. You were choosing to move forward saying that this is going to get better. There's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. We can't see it now, but God will provide a way. Amen. We just need to keep holding on and moving forward. And praise God. 100%. Yeah. Yes. So that was the journey. So, so Rick, as you were moving forward, right? Obviously, there was light at the end of the tunnel. You are here today, and things did open up. How did those uh, opportunities begin to open up for you? It was just like the floodgates of heaven opened up when I least expected it. And um, we got tapped to be uh, interviewed for the Daytona News Journal. They did an article for couples overcoming adversity. Wow. And they heard about our story. It was their Valentine's issue. Wow, beautiful. And it was also a color issue. Mm. And they did a two-page spread with another couple. And um, they got to feature our story, our journey together. And they called it In Sickness and In Health. Mm. Just like our wedding vows. I right. thought that was another sign that we were on the right track. And we used that picture, that um, the story I told you in a previous episode where Marta got into the bed with me when I was freezing. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment that the nurse took our picture. Because she thought it, we were so cute and so Aww. cozy. Aww. She captured that moment. Wow. And that's the one we used for the newspaper mm -hmm. article. From there, I got asked to be a keynote speaker for the American Cancer Society Relay of Life for the following year. Mm. Over 500 people came to Ormond Beach that weekend, cancer survivors, and uh, they asked me to be the keynote speaker, and I was honored to do that. You know, I only had a 10-minute window to give an inspiring speech, and it was my first time ever publicly speaking like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, God gave me the words, and people were in the audience, and they were crying. In 10 minutes, they were crying, you know? And they just saw the journey we had been on. And then they came up, and they gave me a ribbon for my one-year cancer survivor free. And they said, Rick, would you honor us in leading the march for all the survivors? And they have all these candles along the whole path, because it was like towards the evening. And they call it the survivor walk. Mm. And then everyone behind me was two years, three years, you know, up to 17 years was the highest person wow. that was joining the walk. And that just gave me so inspiration. And we locked arms, arm in arm. And I felt like oh, I, got a, I got a one day Olympics or something because mm. I had all these people clapping and it was joyful. And I felt like I had won the race of life. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that moment. And then from there, I got opportunities to expand my juicing business, and they gave me a location, a physical location in the back of a health food store. So, so many positive things were happening as a result, and I couldn't believe that out of a negative diagnosis, now my life was turning around into a positive. And it reminded me of that verse in the Bible that says, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Mm. And I just saw it like everything just flip around in my favor. And I was not about to stop God's blessings. I go, let him come, you know? Mm, amen. I, I was basking in the moment. And I just I just saw the, the direct connection that my trust had opened this door. And now he was blessing that faithfulness. Mm -hmm. and it was like a cause and effect. And it was clear to me that's what, it was, that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. So I just went, every step that I took was a step of faith. And then after the farmer's market, and that was going well, but it was only once a week, I soon realized I needed something more to supplement our income. So again, doing what I do best, you know, I want to help people. So I went to the nearest health food store and I applied and I got hired instantly. And I worked my way up from the supplement um, person to the assistant manager, to the store manager. Mm -hmm. 
And then um, they required much more of me than I was uh, willing to do at the time. So I transferred to a different health food store. And then uh, everything went well there. And then my wife asked me, she's like, Rick, did you ever think about going back into your profession? I said, the thought never occurred to me. I said, I just thought the Lord put me on a new path. Mm -hmm. I said, but I'm willing to consider it. She's like, you know what? Why don't you just try and see what happens? So um, in my field, we are required to have 24 units of continuing education every two years to renew your license. And of course, I let mine lapse because I was in the hospital. I was sick and I didn't even know myself if I'd be well enough to work again. Mm -hmm. So... I called the governing associations who gives you my certification. Mm -hmm. And they said, uh, we're sorry, but uh, you allowed it to lapse. So the only way you could be reinstated is by retaking your state board exam. Mm. And it had been more than 25 years that I've been in school. I'm like, I don't really see that happening, me going back to school for this. So I said, is there any other way? And I just threw that out there and, and kind of let it hang. And she goes, well, there is one other way. And this is the headquarters in uh, Minnesota. And she goes, there's a clause for an extenuating circumstance. I go, that's me. She goes, what was your extenuating circumstance? And I told her my whole story briefly, you know, that I was diagnosed with cancer and I wasn't well enough. I was in, admitted to the hospital for these rounds of chemo and I was too weak and they didn't even know I was going to make it. I go, but I did make it and here I am. And I want to go back now. And I even told her that I want to give back to my patients. I know what it's like to be a patient. Mm. She goes, you have a very compelling story, but we need proof. She goes, it needs to be in writing. I need you to write a letter stating your intent. And I need a, a letter from the doctor on letterhead stating that you are a patient from this time to this time. And you were under the doctor's care. I said, you got it. You got a deal, you know. Mm. So I went on a mission. I went home. I contacted my physician. So many other things happened that uh, were part of this journey of faith that I want to just cover really briefly. So my medical oncologist that took care of me, that was the one that day that he gave me my diagnosis, he died of a heart attack. Mm. I went to his funeral. Wow. Then shortly after that, my brother who had been so encouraging, um, his brain tumor got the best of him and he passed as well. Mm. So I had like two deaths back to back of people that were so close and so part of my health journey. So I had to absorb that in the midst of me trying to rebuild my life, rebuild my immune system, and rebuild my identity. And I had to take those hits, but I knew that God had my back. And even though I was emotionally distraught and my brother and I were so close and um, it hit me so hard, I knew that I would be able to bounce back because I knew my brother would want me to go on. Mm -hmm. He was the one who bought me the juicer, you know, mm. I know he believed in and I we even joked about it, you know, but kind of seriously, I said, if you get better, bro, and I get better, we're going to open up our own business together and we'll call it the brother's juice shop, you know, and <laughs> we're throwing around kind of names and I mm. wanted to give him hope that I didn't rule out that he could live too, you know, Amen. but eventually it took him, we had him an extra four and a half years and we felt blessed by that. Um, so then the only doctor left that knew my story was my medical oncologist when they transferred me to Orlando. So I called the office and thought this would be a quick, you know, phone conversation. They go, he's no longer with us. He moved to Tennessee. I was like, this cannot be happening to me. So the doctor here where I live passed away. The doctor that mm. I went to in Orlando moved to another state. Is there anybody who remembers that I was a patient there? There has to be a record, you know? 
So then finally, I remembered that the PA was with him. And then I got a hold of her. She's like, yes, I remember you. We have your records. They, they transfer all your records from Ormond to Orlando. So we have mm -hmm. all of that information. I go, can you please write me a letter? She goes, yes, we can do that. I go, fax it directly to them. Don't even bother mailing it to me. Just send it directly there. So they did that. And they said it'll be about five to seven days before they have a review committee to see if they would reinstate my license. So of course, I'm waiting on pins and needles. We're praying. I said, Lord, if it's your will, this will be a godsend for me to be back in my profession. And I would come back with so much energy and so much um, vitality to give back to my patients. So look how God works. So I'm at the health food store and doing my job. And I'm walking down the aisles, putting groceries away. And guess who walks in? One of the physicians that I trained a few years back. He goes, Rick, how you doing? I said, he goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, that's a really good question. I said, you won't believe it if I tell you. So I didn't even tell him why I was there. <laughs> I said, it's a long story. I said, but I'm just thankful to be here. And I'm so good to see you. He's like, you know what? You're one of the best trainers we ever had. And you stood out to us because you were compassionate. And not, you didn't only want to train us, but you wanted to set us up for success. He goes, you know, if you ever want to get back into therapy, we have an opening. I'm like, well, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that. But little did he know that I was trying to get my license reinstated, so I didn't tell him that part, you know? So then um, I just let that simmer, and then a week had passed by, and I heard nothing. And, of course, my anxiety, my anxiety level is rising, and I'm like, Lord, is this a closed door? You want me to do something different? So I decided to make one more phone call back to the governing body that gives us our credentials, and I said, I'm sorry to bother you. I said, but I submitted my reinstatement application a week ago. I submitted the funds for the application because there's a fee, of course, mm -hmm. to be reinstated. So I, I, did, I dotted all my T and crossed all my I's, you know, and I got everything in order. And they said, you're not going to believe this, Richard, official. They go, but your application is on my desk as we speak, and it has been approved. Wow. Praise God. Praise so God. So I knew that God had answered our prayers. Wow. And shortly after that, um, I applied for that position that the doctor told me. Mm. And she, the, the, the person who was in charge, um, she was just a staff therapist at the time. And she's like, hello, Rick, this is Leslie. And she's like, you're not going to believe this, but um, I am now the chief tech of the department and I'm in charge of the hiring. And your application came across our desk. I just want to make sure, are you the Rick Perez that came a few years ago and did our training? I go, I am that same one. She's like, I thought so. She goes, there's not many Rick Perez's running around here. <laughs> she goes, but um, I know your work. You trained us, so obviously you know the job. So um, the job is yours if you want it, but you still wow. have to come in for the formal interview and I still have to go through the, the red tape. Praise God. But the job is yours if you wow. want it. And I, I got the job and I walked mm. in on faith. Yeah, praise God, Rick. You you have an amazing story. And, and I love the way you uh, label it, the journey of faith. Right. And that's what has been a journey of faith. And through it all, I've had the privilege of knowing you and watch you grow just deeper and deeper in your walk with God. And, and your love for him and your love for people is really a testament uh, to your journey and what he's done for you and for Marta and for your daughter, Chloe, as well. Uh, Rick, we're, we're ready to close out here. Again, we want to thank you for sharing your story. This is part three of Rick's story, and we're just grateful to him for sharing his story. If you would like to connect with us or connect with Rick, you can do so at loveshape.life. Um, just, just go there and connect with us. Send us an email, and uh, we'll get it over to Rick. 
Rick, just briefly, again, in closing, you are doing a ministry uh, for people. I've watched you when if people have cancer or whatever they have, you go into their homes and, and what do you do? Yes, thank you for, for reminding me of that. Um, I took these lessons that I have learned, these life lessons that I have learned so seriously, and I know that God saved my life for a purpose. And it wasn't just to edify me, it was to help other people. It has to be a chain reaction. Like when you throw a pebble in a pond, it has a ripple effect, and it keeps getting larger and larger as it goes across the pond. And I feel that's what was happening. So I figured I couldn't keep this good news to myself. So I wanted to help other people who were going on their own health journey. So my juicing stand business grew to be, I, got, I became a certified health coach. And then I went into the next level and I started uh, coaching, being a health coach one-on-one -on -one with people. And now I do health seminars and I'm, I'm, I'm asked to go to different cities and different places to talk about health, how to get started, how to juice, how to bring nutrients into your body, how to reverse diabetes. I mean, all these things that people, how to lower your blood pressure. And I've, I've had an education within an education mm -hmm. of myself. And I go into people's homes, as you say, and I, I give them that one-on-one -on -one approach because I wish someone would have done that for me. And I bring my juicer with that. They didn't even haggle. You can borrow mine for a week. Get started. These are the ingredients that you need. This is what it will taste like. These are the equipment that you will need. And I give them every step of the way what they're going to need to be successful. That's beautiful. And it's just been so rewarding to see the yeah. other end of it. And now not, not only am I well, but the people that I'm working with have a chance to have a second chance at life as well. Amen. And be well and be whole. Amen. Praise God. Thank you again, Rick, for sharing that story. You're welcome. May God bless you.